here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.7 FM in Cape Town. So we are going to be speaking to Griffith Shear, who is with us today in studio, and we're going to be looking at the book feature. So he's here, uh, this uh, uh, our critic, our literature critic. We're going to be speaking about books from all over. Good afternoon, Griffin. Hi. Hi. So nice to have you. I'm, I'm loving the list of books that you have selected because they're so, um, um, I don't know, they're edgy. They're edgy and they they yeah, they want somebody who's adventurous and who's gonna go on an adventure to read different and I love it. Freshwater was a, a touch and go. So you read and then you say, you just think to yourself, Okay, let me just breathe and I'll come back to it tomorrow. I'm so glad you said that because um I remembered that I was here in December and so told you I was gonna read yes. that over the holiday. Yes, yes. And I couldn't cope. I just couldn't cope. <laughs> It's like, like, okay, I'll come back. I'll come back. And then, but then when I got, I guess about a third of the way into it, I just like powered through the whole thing. You know, then I couldn't stop. But it was a very disturbing read for me. Mythical. It's all kinds of things. So the, um, so for the people who haven't read it, the premise is that um, there's this woman who's born in Nigeria. Um, Her name is Ada, and her parents have prayed for her to come. And her father is Nigerian. And quite Christian yes. and very sort of man wants to be the breadwinner and all that, but is not. Mm. Um, and her mother, Sachi, is, um, I was actually confused. I think she's Bangladeshi, but via Malaysia, something like that. Um, yes. Um, so she's Asian. Yes. I don't, I don't also remember where she comes from, but she's a Asian. And they pray to have this daughter. And when she arrives, it's basically the premise is that the the gods are rattling around in our heads. Mm. And part of that is um, traditional Nigerian gods, and part of that is a Christian saint and Jesus himself, who goes by Yeshua in this book. Um, and it doesn't really manifest clearly that this is... it's it, Well, I, when it's young, it's clear because the child is very out as a very difficult kid, you mm. know. But then when she finally goes off to university, um, she has a very traumatic incident, and then one of the other spirits in her head takes over Mm. takes over her life and what's um well i guess what's edgy like you were saying about it is that so some of it is narrated from the point of view of the collective we of all these personalities together some of it is by ada herself and her i guess would be her core personality Mm. and then some of it's narrated by the different spirits in her head Mm. and there's a word for this which i didn't know in Igbo culture um obanje Mm. for people who are born Different. And, and they don't live very long, right? And they, they seem to... From what they... Right. Yeah. They torment their parents by getting reborn. Mm. So the child is born, dies, and then gets reborn again, again. and tortures yeah. the parents this way. Yeah. Um, so that's not her story in, in the sense that she doesn't die physically, but she does go through these repeated kind of... There's a lot of Python imagery and shedding of skins and mm. these repeated rebirths in her head. Mm. And I think... For me, it was very challenging because I do spend a lot of time dealing with psychiatrists in my life. You know, there's a lot of that in my family too. Um, is you could have told this story from a really um, not clinical, but from a very Western psychiatric mental health prism, and it would have been still a compelling, wildly interesting story. But she doesn't do that. You know, she does it from the spiritual perspective about what does it mean to have these gods in your head. And I think what's interesting is that there's no judgment attached to that. There's no self pity in this. I think. Um, there's no sense of 
anything here being wrong. It's just a sense of like, I'm on the spiritual journey and these are the things that happen. And some of what happens is very upsetting because mm -hmm. like one of the personalities, one of those spirits like makes her smash mirrors mm -hmm. and then she's making blood sacrifice by cutting her arms, mm -hmm. which, you know, that's, there's another way to tell that kind of a scene where it's just a mental health issue and mm -hmm. people cut themselves to relieve themselves of anxiety or depression or mm -hmm. any of those things. But here it's a sacrifice and it's mm -hmm. got this spiritual dimension. And I think what makes it work is that she's really um, committed to this kind of storytelling. And at the end of the book, she returns to Nigeria and without giving away the whole thing, because mm -hmm. I don't think you can give away this story. No, because, yeah. it's, it's very nuanced, yeah. Um, but it's kind of the return to culture where she finds salvation. It's this kind of migrating back to Nigeria and trying to figure out who she is and how she fits into her traditional culture, where she starts to feel some sense of, um, I was about to say normalcy, but that's not the right word, but some sense of togetherness almost mm. for it all fits. of these personalities, you know? Suddenly um, the puzzle kind of fits. But I was really, I have to say, I was really deeply upset by many of the scenes in this book. Mm. Um, and I think what's interesting is the language is often very, very poetic. Mm. I mean, one of the chapters it is a poem. Is, it is really poetic. It's, it's beautifully told. And the thing is, I think what was hard for me is that I wanted to be, I didn't want it to be beautifully told. Mm. I wanted it to be told in a way that was going to be very viscerally upsetting in a kind of traditional sense. And interesting? I just, I wasn't prepared for it to be told in a way that was very affirmative because it was so upsetting, but she was always very sure. confident in what she was doing. And even, again, it's blowing this whole thing, but you have to read it to catch it all, I think. Yeah. But there is a suicide attempt where one of the spirits, Asagora, who's the kind of very, um, I guess like in the Freudian sense, she would be like the unleashed id kind of thing, but it's more than that, you know? She drives her to commit suicide, but it's not done in despair. It's actually done as a salvation because the spirit's trying to rescue the body from all of the suffering that she's experiencing. And it's told in a way that is not the way that I guess I personally am used to thinking about a suicide story. And I had to sit and see, sit with that for a while too. I Do you see, know what I mean? I see why you had difficulty with this because I would have thought this would have been right up your alley mm. because it's got a lot of that gore and all of that stuff. Mm. But you're struggling with the fact that it's told so beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> you're struggling with that. You're struggling with the fact that you almost empathize with what you're not meant to be empathizing with. Is that's that what it is? It, yeah. yeah. And I think that's what's really hard is to sit with. And so I think... Um, like you get it. You get why someone would want to commit suicide. And yeah. you don't want to get it. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. That's exactly yes. what I'm trying to get you, at. You are battling this whole... Yes, and it's I think, a values thing and all sorts of other things. Yeah. Which makes it brilliant, isn't it? And it's amazing writing. It's yeah. really amazing writing. And part of the reason I like buckled my seatbelt and decided yeah. I was going to get through it is she has her next novel yes. coming out later this year. Yeah. I thought, no, I've got to get through all of this. And I think what was also so interesting um, in an age where we think a lot about people transitioning in different ways between the present and the past, between male and female, between different sexuality, between national boundaries, all these different things, that, you know, one of the spirits drives her to um, remove her breast, basically. Yeah. Hold, but it's, hold, oh, sorry. <laughs> hold the thought, because we, we're going to go into where else this kind of takes us. Freshwater is the book that we're reviewing, and we'll be doing more of this after this. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.2 FM in Table Mountain.
Thank you so much for staying with us. So the book we're reviewing this afternoon is Freshwater by Akweke Emezi. And it's it's a brilliantly told book. It's beautiful in language. Um, it's, yeah, edgy, very edgy. It's also, it confronts a lot of what you think you know. Exactly. And, and, and I think it was this challenging of expectations that yeah. was so interesting. And so... Um, you know, when she starts going through surgical procedures to remove her breast, I was like, oh, it sort of sounded like she was going to transition female to male. Mm. But then that's not what happens. Mm. You know, it was her becoming more comfortable with living in like an in-between zone. And she just didn't want to be so curvy. She didn't want to be defined by the things that other people were imposing on her, the idea of what a woman should look like or what, you know, what it means to be Nigerian or what it means to be... She was trying to figure out her own path in all these ways. And yeah, I just thought it was a very challenging read. It really made me mm. grapple with a lot. Um, it's not a light weekend read. <laughs> what makes it, I mean, what makes it a, a powerful book is the fact that you do sit and think. You you, you sit with the stuff mm. and you, it, you mull over it and you start wondering and you start questioning. You thought you knew, you're not so sure anymore. That's what makes the book so compelling. Yeah, and it really took me... Um, took me back to reading Mahali Mashiko's The The Yearning, the Yearning yeah. where it's, I mean, they're different, but it was also this idea about finding some degree of Self, comfort in yes. traditional, traditional beliefs and in figuring out identity and uncovering truths about the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's been a lot of more of that lately in yeah. writing that's coming out of the region. Um, well, I mean, for me, it says a lot about how the publishing world has opened up about mm. those type of stories. I think that's exactly right. And I think the um, so the freshwater story, I'm not, well, I'm thinking Ben Okrian things did well in the 90s, but 30 or 40 yeah, years ago, I don't no. know that you would have had this story mm. at all. And I'm not even sure people would have known how to Yeah, but Ben, Okri, ben Okri is also like a big name, mm. you know. And to have this, this is her first novel. She's, that's what this I mean. Is a debut so, novel and so for me, that's huge. a big thing because for for someone who's doing this for the first time, or who's getting published for the first time, mm. and get away with a story like this, it says a lot about um, the industry. And that the world's willing to accept that's it. So many different, different narratives. Correct. Um, that's, that's it. Mm. I, because this book is on the world stage. This is a book that you know, it's made a huge splash. It's, it, and it has, yeah. Um, and it's not a thick book you know mm. it's not intimidating in that way mm. um but, but the concepts are very intimidating and the, they're very challenging and and the language requires you to pay attention yeah. and it doesn't progress chronologically mm-hmm. so you're hopping around mm. both in geography and time sometimes mm. and the shifting of the points of view is um you know you're kind of looking at the same scenes from within the same person yes. but With it's not people. the same person yes. right And I think the Christian elements in this were really interesting, too, and the way that the Nigerian spirits engaged with the Christian spirits Mm. and were very, um, sometimes very funny about it, actually. Mm. You know, it it did make me laugh. Mm. Um, But talking about Jesus, you know, that, well, he loves humans and he was human, but he also likes them with a bit of self-punishment, you know, (laughs) and things like this where it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's true, too. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a, it's a wonderful pick. Young adult collection edited by Zukisa Warner. I love Zukisa. So this is a project that's been um, a few years in the making. It's called Water Birds on the Lakeshore, which is um, the title of one of the short stories inside. 
And basically, um, Zuki and the Goethe Institute uh, were put out a call for submissions, and they received hundreds of them uh, from all over the continent. And they were done in, um, I think they were submitted in English, French, and Swahili were the languages that were submitted in. Uh, the, this anthology is all in English. And basically, it's the 17 stories that they workshopped and chose to get published. And it's being launched um, Thursday and Friday at the Goethe Institute here. Uh, so there will be copies available later this week. I've just started reading the first couple of stories now. And? I say the first couple. I've actually been hopping through it to the ones that catch my eye first. Okay, I haven't reading yes. straight through. Um, it's a really interesting collection because they're all so different. Um, and much... These are written by young people, not mm -hmm. children, but people in their 20s and okay. teens. Um, they're darker in really? general than I would have expected. Really? Um, interesting. I haven't sure. found a comedy yet. Like, there's not a lot wow. of humor in this, which I thought was... Yeah, interesting. Um, the title one is... What was, yeah, what was the brief? It, it could have been anything. They didn't, I think, there was just submissions. There's quite a lot of um, fantasy, sci-fi, kind of speculative that's fiction elements in big, it. That's become big, yeah. Yeah, and I think for the, the current generation, that's, mm, that's a, a lot. Um, a lot of struggling with identity. So one of the earlier ones is um, by a woman from Mauritius. And she's grappling with her hair and her father's insistence that she keep long hair um, the way that should have been traditionally done and her desire to to cut it and looking at people who have lost their hair because of cancer or, you know, different reasons. Um, and why is that okay? And does, does God judge us for things that happen by accident? Mm. Um, the title story is, I think, meant to be in Uganda. The country is identified as like the homeland in the story. So it's not clear. It could be mm. anywhere. Mm. Um, I'm just projecting as the author's Ugandan. Okay. And it's um, talking about the ways that independence betrayed some countries, you know, and that, um, but in a speculative fiction way. Mm -hmm. So in this very hopping in and out of what's reality and what's manipulated reality and thinking about the ways that uh, the new governments after independence sort of built on the bones of what was there before yeah. rather than starting from scratch and doing something anew. Sure. Um, so they're not light, kind of um, easy-peasy reads, you know. So far, they're all pretty interesting. And, yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting through the rest. I mean, I've got about 10 to go still okay. by the end of but, the week. But yeah. interesting that there is a, a darkness. There's a thread of darkness there with most of them. And I think just a lot of, like, questioning, you know, mm. that there's a um, questioning about where do we fit into the world mm. and, like, what is the modern world and... Um, and they're coming from so many different, different backgrounds, you know, coming from all over the region. Yeah. The next one, really interesting. I love this one, Vietnamese-American mm. uh, story. I just think this was also beautifully written. This is, um, I, I keep recycling this word, but it's true. It's very poetic and it's yes. very soft-spoken. And it's identified as a novel, but it's very based on the author's, author's actual role. life. Yes, yes. Um, I think he's called it a novel because there are uh, many scenes where he's imagining his family's past during the war, things that he couldn't possibly have yes, witnessed. Yes, uh, it, it would not pass as a true... Right. I yeah, don't think so you there could there is a category, it. yes, you can't yeah. check it, yes. Um, but it's uh, also grappling with these ideas about, like, where do I fit in in the world? Mm -hmm. And sort of the idea that his... Um, I'm going to get the generations mixed up now, but his grandmother was basically... Um, was, was she had to become a sex worker to survive during the Vietnam War yeah. and got impregnated by one of the Johns, mm. but then found a service, a, a white American service member who was someone she actually liked and did did marry. 
um, has a mixed-race child. The She marries, and they eventually move to the U.S., and that's where the narrator is born, Ocean. Um, Ocean Vong, who's the author of the book. And part of what, you know, he has these very um, vivid scenes of war and bombs mm. at the beginning of the book, and then realizing that, like, but that's how I came to be. You know, mm. if those things hadn't happened, then there I would be, be no here. me. Mm. And how do you accept that good things can come out of terrible things? Like, yeah. how do you move forward with that? Yeah. Um, and talking about how his mother fit in and didn't fit in in different ways when they arrived in the United States because she was mixed race and people would often um, think that she was white and go up and speak to her in English, which she didn't speak very well when they first arrived, um, and the confusions that that caused. And then this young child, Ocean as a child, um, having this desire for language and to tell the story, but not having the language to do it yet mm. in a way that other people can understand. Um, and picking at all kinds of really interesting metaphors mm. that, so the metaphor going through the first part is about the monarch butterflies migrating, yeah. where the the parents don't get to see the children migrate back. So it's a one generation mm. migration mm. across North America. And that's what he's talking about, that to survive, we do these things where we don't get to see the benefits for yeah. the future yeah. and in a very subtle way making that parallel with his own family and talking about like the tiger woods's story which mm -hmm. had parallels to mm -hmm. his own story yeah. um tiger woods's dad i'm sure everyone knows is african-american part native american um his mother was thai, thai mm -hmm. and they also met because of the war yeah. um and that they combined elements of their own cultures to make his first name but that tiger i didn't know this was actually one of his dad's best friends during the war who died shortly after tiger was born so they never met each other mm. um but again this idea of like you have something a terrible situation and yet something really amazing comes out of it here's this world class golfer who mm. changed the game for everyone um and again it's a slenderish book you know it's not a, one of these giant things that you're gonna like use to like prop open a door with you know mm. but it requires you to go slow and to really yeah, enjoy the language. And, yeah, and reflect. Yeah. It does. It does require you to, to sit with it and reflect. And I have to say, like, Vietnam War stories, um, so the war was ending when I was born, and I think there was a period where I was not interested in reading about them anymore because I felt there was oversaturated. So much. There was so much. Yeah. And this is, um, it is a war story, but it's not. It's about um, what happens after. And I don't know that I've ever read a story from this kind of a perspective and also this generation this is this, this generation is what makes, yeah and my brother is married to um a vietnamese american woman whose parents were boat people they were she was born mm. in the u.s but they were refugees after the war mm. and it also made me think that like so here's people that i've known very well for decades now and we've never had a conversation like this. You know, we've never and talked about these yes, things. Yes, and, and the going back, because mm. that's, that's at the center of this, as in what you've left behind. Is it possible? Can you go back? What and the ways that we censor ourselves, because yes. um, we, did, um, we did go with them to Vietnam to meet their family before mm -hmm. the wedding. And even though there were scars of war, and you, I mean, you could not avoid it, you know, though it had been a long time and Vietnam's been rebuilt and all these things and is modernizing and all that but you realize that oh my gosh we spent all that time together but we, we never don't speak about this yeah kind of scraped through that mm. even though there were relatives they were meeting for the first time and you know family that she'd never seen and lots of very emotional mm. powerful moments but to really think about like oh and how challenging it must have been to fit in 
to this new country, mm. to have left a war, to come into a place where you don't easily fit yeah. in, where the language, the food, the climate, the culture, and everything are so different. Mm. Um, so yeah, so this one is my current read. I'm not quite done with it, but it's very easy to kind of sit and just sort of melt into it. Yeah, you you do. you. It sucks you in. But I think next week I need to find a light comedy. I need like a lighthearted romp through a park or I something. Know. I don't know. I mean, I mean, we are in Feb and we're going into the budget tomorrow. <laughs> so anything that it fits the mood, it fits the mood. I'm just saying maybe it's time to come become like a depression era kind of escapist moviegoer. And you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right about the tone that many of these books have lately. And, mm. and more and more I'm seeing the same thing where there is a... And this is not a South African thing. It's a global thing. Mm. More reflective, more... Um, a lot of it have to do with movement of people, countries. A lot of it have to do with the disappointment in many different countries mm. of either indigenous people or people who went there. But there is that, that subtlety there, that there's thread. And this question about like what's happened to us. And I think yes, maybe there a lot of countries are asking. People are asking that around the world. Yeah, that we went headlong into globalization and that's brought so many wonderful things. And my family's a product of that. We you know, my partner's from a different country. Great. We're in we a third country. Great. But then what happens and what do you do with it? And you create these new things and there's not a roadmap for sorting through them, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, I remember going to school and with my kids and telling them, like, we don't expect there to be another, like, American, Thai, Guatemalan, South African family here. Um, but we do need some hand-holding to get through, <laughs> like, what it is you expect of us. Because it's amazing just going through school where you're like, is that a good mark or a bad mark? Like, how does the grading system work? Yeah. What kinds of things are expected? And mm. it's very different when you don't know what's what you're supposed to do. And, and, the, and I just find that the stories being told from a different generation. Mm. It's also different. The generation gap, I think, is really big. And mm. I think in South Africa, you really do see that in the writing where um, the people yeah. who are basically mostly younger than me, kind of in their 20s and 30s, are writing with a very different kind of confidence and a very different sort of worldview. And perspective and, is so different. Yeah. It's really amazing to watch and very interesting to read, you know. Daring and, um, yeah, very, very powerful, very strong, very... Um, also decisive mm. decisive language as much as sometimes I don't know always what my children are talking about these kind of third culture kids that I'm raising mm. I also wonder and look at our South African friends and colleagues and think like gosh you don't always know either do you like everything's no. new like we're yeah. all figuring this out eh? yeah no there is there is no 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 bible for this kind of stuff mm. it's wonderful so let's read through the names of the book um the one is freshwater by and i'll spell the name of the author akweke emezi a k w a e k e emezi m e m e z i and uh, the other book that we spoke about is the, what what's sukiswa warner's book called um, is it the water birds on the yes, lake shore? Yes, water birds on water, <laughs> water birds on the lake shore. And and that's not out yet. It's going to be out. It'll be. We'll have copies available at the end of the week. Yeah. Okay. Ocean Vuong's on Earth. Ocean Vuong is the name of the. the that's the author. Uh, and this is how you spell Vuong. V U O N G. And the name of the book is called On Earth. We are briefly butterfly. Uh, beautiful we're briefly beautiful i'm just now thinking of the butterfly imagery in my head about the book so um it's stunning books i just think they're all stunning books i 
Yeah, I I don't have a pick. I, I think particularly the two the ocean wrongs on earth we were briefly beautiful and fresh water. Fresh water needs you to have a bit of a stomach. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's graphic. Yeah, you need to be ready for it. Yes, but but all three are beautiful. We'll post all of that on social media. Griffin, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Always. Yeah. Uh, geez, I can't wait for our next chat. <laughs> I don't know what you're reading next, but let's do that again next week. Griffin Shear, owner of Bridge Books, and uh, all of that will be available on our social media platforms. And uh, we will also just maybe remind you of the books that we spoke about last week as well. Thanks, everybody. Uh, up next, Mas Chabamdola is going to be with you. And then tomorrow is the budget. So we're not on air tomorrow, but SAFM is gladly going to be bringing you the budget straight from Parliament tomorrow. So let's go to Uzi Lesaku for the very latest in SABC News. It's three o'clock.